The Detroit Pistons had a lead on the Golden State Warriors in the fourth quarter, but ended up losing this game after Steph Curry took over late. Should the Pistons and should Pistons fans be taking moral victories at this point, or should it be win or nothing else? We'll talk about that and what went wrong in this game in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. The Detroit Pistons lose their... Most recent game, you guys will be listening to this probably the day after. I'm um, recording it right after the Pistons lost to the Golden State Warriors, 120-109. Um, Steph Curry scored 34 points, took over late in this game. Um, I tweeted out during the fourth quarter when the Pistons took the lead that the Pistons can't have a moral victory tonight. They have to win this game because they were playing really well. Guys had played, a re- multiple guys had been playing a really good game, and they had the Golden State Warriors, on the ropes. And I said, at that point, I believe the Pistons were up four in the fourth quarter. And I said, hey, you can't have a moral victory here. You have to actually close this game out. And they ended up losing 120-109, ended up losing by 11. So, and and we're going to get into why they lost this game, why things happened in this game, obviously, real soon. But I just wanted to say, first, I want to hear from you guys. Do you think the Pistons should be taking moral victories in a loss like this? Because this game was a very close game until the very end. They had a lead on the Golden State Warriors to the very end. They played really hard, played really well, I thought, for the majority of this game. And Steph Curry just took over in this game at the end. So should the Pistons and Pistons fans take moral victories? I think it's tough not to. I, don't, I know I tweeted that you shouldn't. And I completely understand if you don't. And even as I'm talking right now, I'm like, yeah, you can't. You got to win games at a certain point. You can't keep taking more victories. So I'm kind of undecided on it right now. But when you are in a close game and you are a young team like this with the Detroit Pistons and Cage playing his, what, his 83rd, 84th game of his career, whatever, something around there, and you're going up against one of the 10 best players to ever touch a basketball, and it's the final six minutes of the game, and it's getting to closing time, like, you pretty much have doomed yourself at that point. Like, you can't be close at that point. You just can't. If, you, if, you have a, if you're close at that point as a young team like the Pistons are with guys out already, the Pistons were without seven guys tonight, I believe. They had an eight-man rotation. Jane Ivey was out. Boyan was out. Monte Morris was out. Alec Burks was out. Um, Boyan's out. Like, they're missing Jalen Duran was out, obviously. Like, they're missing a lot of their players. So, especially in a game like that when you're missing everybody, it can't be close late against this team, against that guy, or he's going to take over and he's going to win this game. And that's exactly what Steph did. Special players, historic players do stuff like that. So that's where I come from with, you know, it is what it is, man. Steph, you know, you guys got to give it up to guys like that. Steph is him, and he's going to win games like that. Um, 
So I just want to hear from you guys. Do you guys think so or not? I'm kind of undecided at this point. However, why did the Pistons lose this game? I don't think the Pistons lost this game in the fourth quarter. Like I just said, if you're in a close game with Steph Curry at the end, he's going to beat you. It just is what it is, especially if you're a young team like this. Now, if you have a guy on his level, you can go back to back. You, you, and hey, maybe you win a game. But if you're a young team like this, you're just, you don't want to enter these kind of situations for Steph Curry. You're going to lose. So I don't think the fourth quarter is what lost the Pistons the game. What lost the Pistons the game was the entire time before that, and more specifically, the third quarter, where the Pistons were really starting to play well, but they just couldn't secure defensive rebounds to stop defensive possessions. We're going to talk about Killian Hayes a little later, who had a, a tremendous game, but this possession jumped off the, uh, off the screen to me. So Killian Hayes was guarding, I believe, Steph on this possession. And you know how they run Steph off a ton of different screens. And on this possession, Killian switched on to six different six, – he switched six different times. And he closed out. He switched. Stayed attached to the guy. It was probably his best defensive possession of the night. And he closes it off with a, uh, a closeout on, a, on Sarge 3 from the top of the key. And he misses. Now, a defensive possession like that is a type of defensive possession that coaches clip. And they put on the board and say, hey, this is how we all have to defend. That was a great def- defensive possession from all five of us on the floor. This was great. This is how we, what we need to look like every single game. That's the kind of thing you do, except you don't secure the defensive rebound. The Pistons don't get the defensive rebound. The Warriors get an offensive rebound, and they get a, a, a three-point shot. They made it, obviously, off that offensive rebound. Now, that's just one possession, but it was happening all night. The Golden State Warriors had 17 offensive rebounds. It, that, like, that can't happen. Just can't happen. The Pistons, for example, or for comparison, the Pistons only had seven offensive rebounds. Andrew Wiggins had three. Draymond had three. Kevon Looney had two. Dario Sarge had three. Gary Payton had four. That kind of thing can't happen. It just, it just can't happen. You have to close defensive possessions out. It's been the Pistons' biggest issue the last three games. You can play good defense. You can close, you, you can, ha- and look, when you're going against the Warriors, you're not going to have great defensive possessions every time. It's not going to happen, especially if you're a young team. That offense and the way they move and the, how spectacular the players are, you're going to have, you know, miscommunications. It's going to happen, okay? You're going to have breakdowns. But the biggest thing is, you expect some of those breakdowns to happen. What you have to do is when you don't have those defensive breakdowns, you have to secure the stop. Because if you get an offensive rebound with that team, with Clay and Steph above the break, you're giving up basically three points. Every time. You just can't do that. And one of the biggest reasons why is because the Pistons were without Jalen Duran, And the Pistons have a center problem. For a team that, you know, for, for a GM, I should say, that's gotten so much jokes, so many jokes about how he loves big men, the Pistons don't really have a lot of, they don't have good fives. This is the thing. Remember in the first week of the Pistons season, I was coming on here and I was talking about how well Marvin Bagley had been playing. He was. He was playing really well. I don't think Bagley was terrible tonight. I don't think he was very good, but he wasn't just like outright terrible. But in those games that he was playing really well, we mentioned this on the podcast, he was not playing a lot of minutes at all. He was only playing 12 to 15 minutes a game. And what was so great about that and why I was giving Monty so much credit for this is because he realized that, hey, look, Marvin Bagley, he can come in and provide a scoring punch instantly. He can provide that, and that value will be felt in limited spurts. If you keep him out there for long spurts, he plays 24-plus minutes, 20-plus minutes, 
the longer he stays out there, the less his scoring punch provides and the more his weaknesses start to pop up. If you keep him in limited spurts, hey, his 8, 14, 11, 13 points in 14 minutes of action, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. And you minimize his weaknesses. You minimize the possible defensive mistakes. You minimize all the other stuff with it. But you're getting the value of his scoring. When the Pistons are without Jalen Duran, it forces Marvin Bagley, especially in this game, to play 24 minutes. He only had two rebounds, which killed the Pistons. He has to rebound better. But he plays 24 minutes, and Isaiah Stewart's forced to play nearly 40 minutes, like 20 of those minutes at the five position, simply because... The Pistons and Monty Williams do not trust James Wiseman to play. He did not play at all in the second half. With a, in a game where Jalen Duran just does not play at all, he's hurt. And you have a, two centers on the roster. You have eight active guys. And James Wiseman can't crack more than 10 minutes because of how untrustworthy and how bad he's played over a preseason training camp. And even in this game, he was 0 of 3, had three rebounds and nothing else. The Pistons need better fives. They need guys for when Jalen Duran is out or he's in foul trouble or he's hurt. In positions like this, or heck, if Marvin Bagley were to get hurt, and you want, if you want to just keep Marvin Bagley as a backup five for those limited minutes, okay, I guess. Sure, I can see that. We talked about it just now. His value, really good in that minutes, in those minutes. The Pistons need a third big that is a defensive big that gets rebounds. They don't need somebody on the third big that, that can try to score. They don't need a third big that wants to score. They don't need a third big that wants to post up, tries to hit hook shots, and wants to shoot the ball. And you know They don't need a guy who needs usage and wants to score. All they need is a third big that can play defense and rebound the basketball because that's what they need. They, they This team is preaching defense. The GM is preaching defense. The head coach is preaching defense. They want that to be the foundation and it's early in the season, not overreacting anything, but you need players that fit that foundation to set that foundation. The Pistons don't have, if Duran is hurt, they just don't have an option at the center position outside of play two at the five. And then what the Pistons have been doing as well, and the three-guard lineup played really well tonight, Cade, Asar, or Cade, Sasser, and Killian, they all played really well. But if you're playing it with Stu at the five and Asar at the four, you're undersized and you're asking a lot of Stu and Asar on the glass and you need those other three guys to get active on the boards. And none of them, I think, have rebounded how you'd like them to. Killian had four. Cade had four. Cade should be a much better rebounder than four. He should be getting you like six or seven, I feel like. Needs to be more active on the glass. Um, and then Sasser, obviously, undersized. So that's the kind of position that, that Monty Williams is really being forced into because they don't have another option. He can't trust Wiseman. Wiseman didn't touch the floor at all in the second half, I don't believe. So it's... If I were the Pistons, if I was, I believe they still have one roster spot open. And even if they if they don't, I haven't I haven't checked the roster. I don't believe. I'm pretty sure Stanley's um contract. He's not. He didn't take up the final roster spot. But I could be wrong with that. I should probably double check that. But if they do have a roster spot open, go get a third big that can play defense. And if you can't don't have one, they need to be in the market for one. It doesn't need to be some big time trade. They don't need some huge trade. They just need a guy that can play do those things and play when Duran is in foul trouble or when Duran is hurt. Because in situations like this, they're screwed. They don't have anybody. They they just can't do it. And it forces them to be in tough situations. I think that's the biggest reason why the Pistons lost. Is in the game in the part of the games when they played really well and they had a lead. They couldn't extend that lead. They couldn't blow this game open because they couldn't secure defensive possessions with defensive rebounds and kept the Warriors in the game. And when you keep the Warriors in the game, instead of having a big lead, when you're close with them at the end of the game, this is what happens. Steph Curry goes crazy, and he sends you home with an L. 
That's what happened. So let me know what you guys think. Do you guys agree with me, disagree with me? Do you guys think the Pistons should be going out there trying to find a third big for their roster? Do you guys think they need a trade for one? What do you guys think? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. Multiple players play a really good game. Killian Hayes has his best game of the year. Stanley Umude plays his best game of the year. Marcus Sasser continues to play pretty well. Um, Asar Thompson continues to play really well. Asar Tom- or Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Stewart plays really well. We'll talk about those individual performances when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. Again, you can score early. Like I tell you guys every time, you guys can score early with the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You can also get active with the NBA season. That's obviously just started. This has been a fun season already. I've been active on FanDuel. If you're a new customer, you can be you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. This app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I promise you when you go on FanDuel, there's nothing confusing about it. It is very easy to get used to. It's very self-explanatory. You don't need to go on there if you're not used to this kind of thing. You don't go on there and get confused and nervous about anything. It's very straightforward for you. And if you go on FanDuel and you look at the NBA section, if you go to Wednesday night's game, Boston Celtics versus the Philadelphia 76ers, they got the over-under in this game. Total point scored, 226. I'm going to go ahead and take the over. I think there's more points that are going to be scored. More than 226 points will be scored in this game between these two really good teams. But that's the kind of thing you can do over there at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL and NBA season. That's with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review for whatever po- on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That is another great way to support the podcast. So despite this loss, and I know we just talked about whether they should take moral, moral victories or not, but... In this loss, they got some really good performances from a lot of players. I want to start with Asar Thompson. This dude, he's going to be an all-star for a long time. Once he hits his prime, he's going to be an all-star for a long time. This dude, I've said it multiple times. I'm probably going to keep saying it every podcast. He might very well be a top 10 defender right now. Like, it's crazy. This dude is, is insane defensively. His motor defensively. His 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 IQ defensively. That's something we talked about with his trainer in the offseason. Something I told you guys about when we were doing some scouting on him before the draft. His IQ of of the game is just off the charts. And I really do. I I've said this multiple times in the offseason after they drafted him, and some of the interviews were coming out. I swear to God, I I 100 believe the fact that Asar is such a fan of the game plays such a huge part in his IQ. The fact that he loves basketball and loves the NBA to where he can name you, you know, what this draft day trade was, uh, who got drafted this uh, at 11th in 2011, like those questions that he was being asked after the draft, and he's just hitting all of them. And he talks about how much he loves basketball. He talks about how much uh, he talks about his knowledge of the game, where not even like X and O's knowledge of the game I'm talking about. I'm talking about just knowing, you know, who got drafted where, trades that happened. Um, um, championships, who's made to this finals. Like, just following the NBA and being that big of a fan of the NBA, what that causes you to do is you see the NBA, you know, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, man, why I, I want I, I was about to say develop. I don't know why this word is escaping me right now. But gr- oh, grow. You get to grow and expand. You see the game go for to a three point error. You get to see how they teams play offense, how they play defense from one point to now. So he knows all of that. He's talked about that over and over about how, hey, this is how teams play nowadays. This is what we want to do. And he's very knowledgeable on that. And I think that very much helps him defensively for the Detroit Pistons. I think it's going to help him a lot throughout his career. The fact that he loves basketball and loves the NBA. And when he's not playing for the Pistons, he's watching NBA games. He's watching things other teams do. He's picking up on that stuff. He just loves that kind of stuff. He's a basketball junkie. And that's going to be great for his career. He's going to be an all-star for a long time in his career. He had 16 points, seven rebounds, two assists, four, or yeah, two assists, four steals, six of 10 from the floor, one of four from deep. One of those threes, or one of his made shots was a three, but he had his foot on the line, so it technically wasn't a three, but I'm counting it for confidence. So I'm going to go ahead and say he actually was like two of five from three. But I love the fact that he's still shooting threes, despite the fact that he's missing some. That, that tells me he has confidence. We talked about that in the last podcast. I just love that he's still shooting. Um, Isaiah Stewart, tremendous game. First half, he hit three threes. They only took one in the second half. We'll talk about – we'll kind of expand on that a little later. Um, but, um, and man, I just realized <laughs> – oh, my goodness. I just realized – I looked at the screen on YouTube. I saw on the side what our topics for the today was. I realized I just spent the entire, entire half of the first segment – talking about what was supposed to be in the third segment. Um, so I'm going to have to do an audible real quick. You guys, will see, it's not, what we're going to be talking about in the third segment, it's not going to be the back of five, the third big spot. Um, we'll be talking about something else. Stay tuned. I, I, I got something in my head I already know what I want to talk about, so just stay tuned for that. But I do got to make a live audible here. But anyways, Stu, he played really well. He had 17 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 of 5 from deep, 5 of 9 from the floor. I love the fact that he's shooting, obviously, that he's shooting so well from beyond the arc, that he's shooting confidently, taking these, taking five threes within a game. And, look, I know a lot of people have thought that I'm not a big Stu fan, and I wasn't the biggest believer in him, as, as big as other fans, obviously, as, as some of the fan bases. But th- there's one part of his game tonight that, that jumped off that I'm really happy to see him, him trying to improve on. It's his passing. He had four assists tonight. Now, he did have three turnovers, but that's kind of part of it. You have to grow with those um, those mistakes. But there was a possession that actually didn't even go the Pistons' way. Actually, it was a it was a mistake he made, but it still showed progress to me. In the fourth quarter, Cade ran a pick-and-roll with him at the five, and Cade got trapped. He hit it to Isaiah Stewart in the roll. In the short roll, CP3 rotated from the corner and stopped him at the dotted line. And what we saw from Isaiah Stewart was he didn't take the ball and just run through uh, CP3 and get an offensive foul. He didn't just force up some running hook, or whatever, because he got you know um, he panicked. What he did, he caught the ball and tried to examine the immediate short roll kick pass to the corner, to the weak side corner or the weak side wing. Now, unfortunately, the Warriors did a tremendous job of rotating and taking those passes away before he before he can make those passes, and it took him too long. It took him a little too long to make that read. So he didn't, he didn't end up making the pass, and he ended up missing the eventual shot he took. What he needed to do was make that read faster and eventually just say, okay, I got CP3 on me. I have to make a move and score real quick. That was the right decision. But the fact that you can see him during live time go through that process and, and the right process to make, you see him in live time realizing, okay, this is what I got to do. Corner, wing, not there. Okay, now I got to try to score. It, it's not getting there fast enough yet. It's not like high level. 
but you're seeing that be a part of his process. And that simply being a part of his process is a big deal to me. So I, I love, I've loved everything I've seen from Stu so far this year. I think his development is looking really good. And I give him a ton of credit um, for how he's looked. He's, he's, he, he's looked really good to start this season. I, I got nothing but props for him. And then obviously Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes played tremendous tonight. He had 21 points, seven assists, four rebounds, a steal, and a block. Eight of 12 from the floor, three of four from deep. Hey, I haven't said nothing about Killian Hayes over the last few games. I know he's a heated topic. If you bring him up at all, people spaz about it. And people just hate him. So if you bring him up at all and try to bring up what's actually happening and what the numbers are, they just assume that you're pushing a narrative, that you don't know what you're talking about, that you're just trying to push an agenda. I had tweeted out yesterday that over Killian's last six games, he was shooting 39% from deep. If you took away the first game where he was 0 of 6, he's shooting 39% from deep. He is now shooting 45% from deep over his last six games. Or what is it, seven games now, right? Over his last seven games, he's shooting 45% from deep. He still needs to improve. His efficiency from twos have to get better. He has to put more pressure on the rim. He has to be more consistent. This is not, you know, a seven-game sample. Is not, nothing to get crazy about. But the idea that Killian wasn't shooting well from deep like, it's a small sample size, but he was shooting fine from deep. That's, like, one of the only areas that he's been fine with over the last few games. You're seeing it get better and better, and tonight it really, everything got put together. He was scoring from the mid-range. He was drawing free throws. He was playing tremendous defense. He was hitting his threes. This is the kind of consistent performance that Troy Weaver believes in, that Monty Williams believes in, Um, and this is the kind of player that I see. This is why I believe in Killian Hayes. This is the kind of player that I think is within him. Whether he can actually sustain that kind of play Look, we'll see. We'll see if he ends up being able to do it. Monte Morris, Monte Morris is coming back. We'll see how many minutes Killian Hayes even plays, if at all, when he comes back. But Killian has been trending up the last few games. He had been playing a f- really good over the last few games, and fans don't really want to say that because they just hate him for no reason. Oh, not for no reason, but they just hate him, and they, they refuse to give him credit when he's playing well. So he's been trending up the last few games, and has been shooting the ball from deep outside the first game really well. So as long as he continues to do that, um, he, he'll play, and, and he'll continue to he, he'll play well. So happy that we got that performance from him tonight. He played really well, happy for him, and hopefully he can you know, put some really good games back to back to back to back and keep on stacking them. So um, let me know what you guys thought about from some of these players. Was there a player that I didn't mention that you guys want to hear from that you guys thought played well, or maybe – was there a bad performance that you guys thought that I need to talk about that you guys want to hear from? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukio. When we come back, there was a comment that Monte, not Monte, Monte Williams. I'm confusing Monte Morris and Monte Williams. I got, I got to, you know, I got to separate them. But Monte Williams, there was a quote he had about Killian Hayes um, last week. I think people kind of took it out of context, not to Killian Hayes, but to the team as a whole. And I think Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, and Asar Thompson is who he was really talking about. And I want I want to break that down and talk about what that is and what was the misconception there. So we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together, you and I. We get fired up together on wins, losses, bad performances, good performances, who starts, who sits. I'm thankful for that connection that we have. And today I want to chat to be a little bit more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply on ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on extended travel. Bring on the next natural disaster or supply chain issue. You are covered, my friend. 
You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, or any type of prescription. And this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily medication. Remember to use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace, quote, I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues causes me to cut pills and have to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone, end quote. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off your first purchase with Jace Medical. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. So this won't be a long, long segment, but there was a quote that Monty Williams had, and it was about Killian Hayes, so obviously everyone just freaked out and just started killing Monty Williams simply because he mentioned his name. But because of that, people either purposely misconstrued what Monty was saying. Maybe they didn't get the whole video, so they weren't able to put it into context. Or maybe they, fans just want something to be mad about. Which, I, I don't know which one to pick. Because any of those options could have the same possibility. The same percentage chance of what happened. Um, <laughs> but, basically, he was asked about Killing Hayes not shooting well. And he said Killing Hayes needed to shoot more. He needed to get his shots more. He needed to get more looks. And what Monty, throughout that presser, what fans missed, or maybe they just chose not to listen to because they just wanted to be mad about Killian Hayes because that's the popular thing to do. Monty Williams was not, at least from what I read, I was there, I was in the presser, I was in the media room when this question was asked and when he answered it. I heard all the other questions asked. What I got from that question was not him saying, hey, Killian Hayes needs to get the ball, have a higher usage rate, take some, take 15 shots of him creating for himself, and that's what I want to see from him. That's what, that was not what he was saying. What he was saying, and it was something that is true, what he was, that he said over the last few days as well for Asar Thompson, and he said it multiple times with Stu. He even said it after today's game with Stu. What he was trying to say, again, not just about Killian, but about Stu, but about Asar, about any player that's on the court, and he mentioned this with Cade, creating these looks for him too. Cade needs to pass the ball to his open teammates, which he's been doing the last few games, which has worked. Uh, it's worked. His guys are hitting more open shots. They're gaining confidence. Um, and games have looked better. It, it, with that, they're going to get more looks. So when Monty said that Killian needs more looks, he wasn't just talking about Killian. He was talking about more guys. But he was saying... Those guys need to get more threes up. They need to shoot more open threes. When they are open, they need to be given the ball, and they have to get those threes up. Even after today's game, he said that he told Stu he needed to get more threes up. And I agree with them. Stu had open threes that he hesitated on, didn't take it, didn't attack a closeout, and kind of just stood there and then ended up doing a DHO. And sometimes it scored, sometimes it didn't. But if you are open, if defenses are, if Kate is generating this kind of uh, open look by kicking out to you, which, again, I'm going to continue to say, whether Cade doesn't trust him as much or, or maybe he doesn't see it. I don't think Cade doesn't see it. Cade has really great vision. So I think at times he has, you know, 
he struggles with trusting some of these guys out here and feels like he has to do everything. He feels like the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he has to be the reason why they come back or no one else is going to be, which I, I get to a certain degree. But he has to trust the teammates and hit these open guys, which is what Monty was talking about. Stu needs to get more open looks because they're there, and he has to shoot them when they're open. The same thing with Killian Hayes. You're seeing Killian shoot well from deep. He's shooting 45% from deep over the last seven games. When he has an open three, you have to hit him, and he has to take it. He cannot hesitate. He cannot try to do something else, some ISO, whatever. He has to take the open looks. Asar Thompson, he has to take the open looks. With Asar, I think Asar's been doing a really good job of that. When he gets an open three and they sag off him, he's taking it instantly. He's not thinking about it. He's catching and shooting. Whether he makes it or not, whatever. The process was good. That's what you want to continue to happen. That's what Monty Williams was trying to say. He was not saying Killian Hayes needed to ISO and take more shots. He was just saying that he needed to get more open looks and more of his shots, which was open catch-and-shoot threes. And sure, maybe he meant like tonight. We saw Killian take, like I think, I think three mid-range shots. He got to his spot, snaking, pick-and-roll, and was able to hit his middies. Sure, he meant like he needs to take his comfortable shots, sure. But more so what he was saying in that presser and what he said multiple times in multiple pressers since then is that these guys have open looks from three. Cade has to hit them, and these guys need to take them. Cade, or Killian needs to have, how many threes did he take tonight? Four. He needs to be taking around four or five threes a night if the guys are going to leave him open. Stu, he took five threes a night. He needs to be taking five, six threes if guys are going to leave him open and you're kicking out to him. Asar is taking four threes. He has to take four threes if guys are going to Like, that's what Monty was speaking to. Shoot the ball with confidence, which is what he also said in that Killian quote. Shoot the ball with confidence. This was all he was trying to say. His guys need to shoot the ball with confidence. His teammate, the, the teammates need to trust them enough to have confidence in them to kick the ball out and hit them and need to have confidence to get those shots up because they are good looks. They're good looks for them. They're good looks for the team. And the only way this team is going to thrive is if they continue to take those good open looks with confidence. So that's what Monty was trying to say. I had to come on here and defend him and really break down that quote because I was there and this was one that with me in attendance, I can break down and say, hey, I heard these other questions. I know what he was trying to say. People are taking this the wrong way and they're really getting mad about nothing. Um, I don't know if I, even if I broke it down that day, fans would have cared because again, it was about killing Hayes and everyone just gets mad as soon as his name gets mentioned. So, but yeah, that's what Monty was trying to say and he's 100% right. He's 100% right and you saw it tonight. Killian hit three, Stu hit three, Asar hit one. Like, the offense flows better when those guys just don't hesitate and they get those open looks. If they make them, obviously it looks even better. When Stu's hitting 60% of his threes, it looks better. When Killian's hitting 75% of his threes, it looks good, obviously. But those are the looks that need to be generated. Those are the looks these guys need to be taking. And they need to be taking a lot of them if they're going to be given to them. That's just what's going to have to happen. That's how you grow. That's how you get better. And that's how you can generate good offense. So, that's what Monty was trying to say. I had to come on here and defend him and really talk about that because it was really getting on my nerves that everyone was like using this quote against him and freaking out when it was very clear to me and everyone else who was in the room. And I feel like really if you just were paying attention the last few days to all of his quotes, that's what he was trying to say. So, um, But that's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And, hey, shout-out to uh, Tim Botemps. He said that we needed to punt Killian Hayes to the moon. Uh, maybe we, we might need to punt you to the moon, my guy. 21 points, 7 assists, 8 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 4 from deep. This isn't the first time that Tim Botemps has tried to take a shot at Killian Hayes, too, on a podcast. So, you know, hey, maybe you should keep talking crazy about him, and, and maybe he comes out and keeps playing well. But in the meantime, I think we, t- we, we test out that whole experiment of punting Killian to the moon. 
Maybe we should try punting you to the moon and see how well it goes. Let me know how it goes. Um, but that's all I've got for you guys. Catch you guys in the next one. Till next time. Peace out.